Hello and welcome to Cubicle Confidential, weekly advice for the working stiff. I'm Chris DeSantis and let me introduce my co-horse. Oh, Jesus. You called me a horse again, Chris. Because Jack planted it in my head. I know, try it again. Okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> Ready? I'm Chris DeSantis, and let me introduce my co-host, speaker, author, and former radio host of Women Talk on iHeartRadio, the explosively extroverted Mary Abijay. <laughs> Hi, Chris DeSantis. Okay, everyone who knows me knows I am a fake extrovert. I'm an introvert all day long, but that was really sweet. All right, everybody. Uh, it's nice to be here. I'm also with my co-host, Chris DeSantis, who is an international consultant and speaker and bon vivant. Did I say that right? Bon vivant? Or is it bon vivant? How do you say that? I think bon vivant fits. Yeah, that's, that's right. who you are. And you're fabulous. All right, Chris, it's great to see you. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Mary? Good. You know our show topic today is? What is that? This stinks. <laughs> wah, wah. That is the name of the show today, This Stinks. And we're going to talk about, we have a couple of questions here today. I'm very excited about this show. Uh, a couple of questions today that really kind of revolve around giving and receiving feedback at work. So, Chris, I know that as an organizational guru like myself, you often get feedback and you often have to teach people how to give and receive feedback. So, kind of what, what's your take on the state of feedback in organizational life today? Well, it's an interesting question. I don't think, well, first of all, as soon as you say the word, people react. So, the state of feedback is the same as it always has been, not favorable. So if that is the case, I think what you have to start thinking about is how do you make it favorable because it is a gift at its best. At its worst, it's an accusation that's untrue. So what we'll talk about are maybe some suggestions along the way to do that. Uh, but before we do, I, I, I saw this first question. I think it's very interesting. And Mary, if you'll, this is the face maker. Oh, it is. But before we get to the question, Chris, I want to say for you personally, yes. how good are you at giving, let's call it, quote unquote, constructive feedback? Oh, that's so interesting. Because uh, again, I think what you first have to do, if you really care about a person, you create the larger context of their performance. That means, look, if, 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 if Mary, if you were working for me, you'd know the things that you did well. You'd know those things. Well, it would be everything, but keep going. I, but mostly everything. You would know them. And I would tell you those things on a recurrent basis. At, but then when I get to the things that are constructive, I think I have you as my audience. Now, I would still probably be a little gentle because I tend to be conflict adverse. And I think that's to my detriment. I sometimes come off as making a suggestion. So you, I suggest... So would you would you might like maybe you could not drop the f-bomb in front of all of our clients instead of saying go. don't drop the f-bomb in front of a client exactly my problem <laughs> and how does that work for you chris if you're too if you're too gentle about the feedback does that work or is there a potential where that is not going to work well i have a story once about a guy that uh i when i worked at one of these consulting firms uh he the the, the partner this was a partner he was so gentle with his feedback he had to get rid of somebody he had to fire them and he was so indirect with firing him, the guy showed up on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love that. That reminds me, I think, of a Seinfeld episode where George just pretended he wasn't fired and just showed up on Monday. All right, so you're pretty good at giving it, although albeit maybe a little overly gentle. How are you at receiving it? Well, again, I think the receiving of feedback has, is all about the context, like who's who's delivering it, what are they saying to me, and how relevant is it to what I'm doing? Yeah. It's a bit. So I think, yeah, I agree with you. I think for me, I've gotten much better at receiving feedback uh, because in our line of work, doing consulting and facilitating and public speaking, and, you know, you know, I have a book out there, right? And so I get feedback all the time. Well, most of it's pretty good. Like the stuff that's hard to hear is hard to hear. And so I have really tried to really be open to hearing like that quote unquote constructive feedback Mm -hmm. if you can. But I do do think it's, it is hard. And I think, you know, like what you said, looking at it as a gift is a really important element. So I always try to find the golden nugget uh, uh, in the feedback, which is which I think is really hard. But remember, too, we have a disadvantage in the sense that we we humans are, are geared towards uh, the negative. It's, it's louder to us. Yeah. So you as a speaker, myself as a speaker, we might get uh, evaluations from two to 300 people that are lovely. And there's one person, there's always a person that doesn't like us. And all of a sudden, their noise seems louder than, than is warranted. And my advice often is, my advice to managers is, if you get feedback from a number of sources about an employee and everyone is saying wonderful things and only one person is saying negative things, I would get rid of the one person's negative things. Yeah, it doesn't have it doesn't hold water. Yeah. And my advice, I love that. And you're so right. Like I can get wonderful accolades and wonderful comments. And that one person that thinks I suck, that is the Mm -hmm. one I focus on. And I just agonize over it. Um, I was recently did a series of videos for LinkedIn for a LinkedIn course. And I got all these wonderful accolades. And there's this one person that literally said to me, you know, Mary's arm movements look like she's about to take off. It's giving me an epileptic seizure. You know, she, (laughs) and I was just like, and I spent a day cyber stalking the guy like I was just like I was so like one person didn't like me and it threw me for a loop for an entire day so but I will say this I will say to managers out there you need to learn how to give feedback I don't know about you Chris but in my organizational consulting almost every problem that I run into in the workplace every dynamic that's gone south has been a result of a manager not giving feedback in a timely basis yeah, I think that sounds right. Or they're not saying what is actually the problem, but rather the symptom that they want to address. Exactly. So these two uh, questions we have today, one is based on a manager and one is like a colleague to person. So, mm. well, and I think they're both about feedback. So if you're ready, we're going to start with the face maker, leaving this things for last. Keep listeners tuned in. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Okay, uh, this is from uh, Lon Chaney's boss, and for you young people that don't know who Lon Chaney is, Lon Chaney was a was a was a from the fifties uh, was a forties and fifties was a very famous actor that played like Frankenstein and things like that, right? He played also yes. Four, yeah. In fact, he was known as the Man of a Thousand Faces. There you go. All right, so Lon Chaney's boss says this: I'm a manager at a wedding events planning company. I have an otherwise good employee who's a face maker. Our business requires us to not only understand how to plan a wedding, but also how to deal with florists, caterers, high-strung brides and grooms, and their nutty relatives. 
We hold lots of meetings internally and with clients or potential clients. It requires patience and finesse, but I'm having a problem with this one employee that he can't, I can't get my head around, his constant face-making. Any suggestion, idea, or comment he doesn't like, he makes a face. He has that he has a that's stupid face. He has an I can't believe it face. And he has a oh, that's ugly face. Everyone at the company has noticed. On Zoom calls, people deliberately say things to see if they can get him to make a face. <laughs> they are even doing impressions of him. I don't want this to catch on, but I can live with it inside the company because they know him and they aren't bothered by it. But the problem is I can't have him around clients. He has made more than one bride cry <laughs> just by making his, are you going to wear that face? By the way, I would love to see what that face looks like. How do I tell him uh, what I'm sure his mother has told him? And once he knows, how do I help him change his behavior? Okay. Wow. I love this question and so many reasons. I do <laughs> so too. Many levels. I do want to see the, I can't believe you're wearing that face. <laughs> I would love that expression. I, by right, the way, this is a problem I have as well. I, I, I No poker face? Yeah. Are you good at poker? Uh, I'm good at poker. I'm awful at poker. Yeah. You got to like have a good poker face. I've I'm, learned but Let's that. be honest. I'm really good at, at po playing poker against machines. Maybe not so much against human beings. I, I, it's all on my face. If it's a good hand, I'm all smiles. All I smiles. Just, I never win. I when never I have win. a good hand, I get really impatient. Go, go, go. Um, all right. So what do, you, what do you think? What's your initial take on what's our advice to Lon Chaney's boss? Well, what's tough about this question or answering uh, this question about this individual is he's not being deliberate in any way. He's just simply reacting, you see. And so when you're reacting, it's an innate behavior he has. And changing a behavior is really no walk in the park. It's not easy to do, especially if you don't know what you're doing, right? You don't know you're doing it. So first you have to know what the behavior is. So he has to know. This, this Lon Chaney's boss here has to know uh, what to tell this individual in terms of what he is actually seeing, what he's seeing. Stay out of his head, yep. just say, this is what I've seen. And I think that the crying bride example pretty much sums it up, right? I mean, this is what we're seeing, right? So next he has to give him a reason to change. Now you have two choices here. You can offer an incentive or a consequence. Now, since it's not, he's not doing this of his own volition, I think you offer an incentive. And I, when I say an incentive, you tell them, look, you're valued here. I want to give you more responsibility. I, I, it's just that uh, we have to do some tweaking with your face. You know what I'm saying? In the sense that uh, I, I love your happy faces. I think everyone loves your happy faces because everyone knows when you're happy. It's your unhappy faces that I think we need to work on. Now that now he's aware, right? So now this person is aware. He could be more further along. Okay, I'm doing this. People are noticing that. So the question becomes, what are the triggers and how do you break the reaction? When is he doing that? So when he hears something unpleasant, uh, it turns him, you know, it turns him on. He does what he does. And he, so this, it's like, you know what I, I liken it to? It's when, when people are presenting and I teach people how to present, one of the most recurrent things that people use are non-words. And then um, they don't, uh, um, you um, know, uh, a phrase, exactly. You know, right, right, right. Exactly. Now, do they know they're doing it? Absolutely not. So what you do is as soon as you tell people that they're doing it, it reduces it almost by 50%. And so the game I play with people is next time, tell your colleagues when you're presenting to click their pens every time you say a non-word. This is hugely irritating. 
But it's sort of like Pavlov's dog. Exactly. You're just going to like start zinging them. Keep going. Exactly. I like this. All right. It's very Pavlovian in that sense. So my point being is tell your coworkers that you're working on your face making. And so whenever you make one of those faces, tell them to mirror your face, mirror your face. And all of a sudden what this does is it heightens your awareness of the, of the reaction. And now it gives you the power to change it if you so choose. So um, I think that's what I do. Uh, I would also, quite frankly, would make those Zoom calls a lot more interesting if everybody's making the same face. Oh my God, that would be hilarious. <laughs> that's funny. So you're, so you, so you're. To sum up your recommendation, is you've got to give the feedback, right? We're both agreeing. Exactly. You've got to. You have to give the feedback, uh, and put it into like the situation, the old SBI model situation, behavior. And then impacts. I think you've got to let yes. him know what the impact of making faces potentially might be. She and then cries. you have some great ideas for how he can start to change it. A little bit of trigger awareness, a little bit of bringing other people in to help him uh, solve it. I love it. I, I think that's absolutely right. And I think, I don't know that I have much to add to what you said because I agree, you know, if it's a customer facing job, you have to tell this. You have to tell Lon Chaney about his face because it is having an impact not only on his professional ability to be successful, but on your business, right? And, you know, whether it's on Zoom or in person, we know our body language, which includes our facial gestures, which includes our vocal tone, accounts for something like 57% of the message that people take away. So you have to really be aware of what your face is doing, your vocal tone. So I, I totally agree with you. Um, and I love the idea of pointing it out when it happens. Um, my, my only new thing I thought of was, you know, since we're doing so much on Zoom, you could literally record a Zoom meeting, right? Oh, yeah. And you could say like, here's what it looks like, you know? It reminds me a lot of times when I talk about things like this with people like executive presence or presencing, you know, a lot of women have what's called RBF. Do you know what RBF is? No. You didn't know what RBF is? RBF is called resting bitch face. Oh, and yes, yes, yes. I know what it is. I never knew the acronym. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know what RBF is, RBF is, you know, some people's mouths when they are at rest yes. uh, naturally turn down. Mine does a little bit. My mouth. I'm going to close my mouth for a minute. And so what happens is, and if you're a woman and you have rusting bitch face if your mouth just naturally at rest looks like you're frowning people think you're unhappy right they think you don't like what they're saying they think that you are being bitchy and so i talk with a lot of women about and it's unfortunate but once you're aware that that's what your face at rest at, in repose looks like then you can really be a little more conscious about maybe you want to smile or maybe you want to just tug your lips up a little bit because you want to make sure that people are not thinking that you you're not sending the wrong message uh you're you're not you're having a more positive impact may I, may I add one more thing then yeah because i i, I want to make sure that every, the listeners hear that we uh, we're not saying you to be disingenuous I, i'm so and the other alternative here is own your choices mm -hmm. so if he's a face maker tell people own it so if he's going to be in a meeting with clients say look here's the deal if 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 i don't like it you'll know i don't like it not by what i say by what you see yeah. So when you own it, you now you now own the responsibility of it as well. But you are also given more credit for the range in which you because now you are seen as more honest.
Yeah, that's exactly right. And I also want people to realize we're not saying like there's anything innately wrong with making faces. There's nothing innately wrong with having RBF. But if you really want to manage your impact on other people, it's not about yes. your intention. It's about your impact. Exactly. Uh, and you want to make sure that people, when they're in your presence, feel attended to, feel valued, feel heard. And yes. if your inadvertent facial expressions are pushing them away, it's not doing you, them, or the relationship any good. So, it's, you know, this is a blind spot for many of us because unless someone tells us, we don't know. Well, it goes back to the essence of who we are with others. We want to be judged by our intention, but we are judged by our behaviors. Every time. So. You know, I once got, have you ever gotten any feedback around like your physical? Yes. I furrow my brow. You throw your brow. I once got feedback from when I was just starting out consulting, um, and uh, I was uh, kind of shadowing somebody very, very senior. And and apparently, I have this habit of head nodding. I do this like a bobblehead. Uh. I'm ha nodding heads when people are talking, and I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And after one of these meetings, uh, my senior consultant person who was in charge of me said, "Mary, I got to tell you, you got to stop that head nodding. It's like a bobblehead, and it's so distracting." He's like, "I don't even think." I know you don't know you're doing it, and I know you don't mean to be distracting, but you got to stop it. <laughs> it That's like, funny. That's oh, my but God. But you know what? He was right. I do do it. And so I've been very conscious now when to nod, when I don't nod, and just not making an automatic response. Well, it's interesting because on, on, on virtual life, on Zoom now, people are doing much more of head nodding. Yeah. Because they aren't get the, the, the visual cues of I'm paying attention are requiring them to stare at people more than they want to and head nodding more than they want to. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Isn't yeah. that weird? So just don't be a bobblehead. So no. if someone gives you advice like this or a feedback like this, try to find the golden nugget that will be helpful on, on here. All right. Are you ready for the, uh, for the uh, title question? Yes, I am. This stinks. I love this. Now, if we had more money on this podcast, I would riff Jay Giles right now. Love stinks for this, but we don't have any money. So, and I'm not about to hum it for you. All right. Are you ready? This is from Holding My Breath. All right. Our office has been closed for the past year, but plans are being made to return to work in another month. This will mean our remote work arrangements will be ending. While the office was closed, upper management decided to remodel and have a more of a collaborative work environment. By the way, they'll hate that after six mm -hmm. months. But anyway, this means an open floor plan with no private offices. I am not thrilled, but that's not the problem. The problem is we have a colleague, let's call him Carl, that tends to be rather fragrant on a good day. While annoying, it wasn't a big problem when we were working from home, and before that, he had his own office. It was only a problem when we literally had another stinking meeting. <laughs> when Carl gets stressed, he sweats, and when he sweats, he's more odious than usual. I am now worried we are all going to be in the same room all day, and masks or no masks, I'll know Carl is nearby. We'll all know. Since I've known him longer, my colleague said that I should talk to him. Should I or should I dump this problem onto HR? My manager has never done anything about it. And if I do talk with him, what should I say? Signed again by holding my breath. Chris, <laughs> I'm passing this one off to you to start with. Oh my I love, gosh. Who, love, love this question. Who, who hasn't had an experience like this with somebody somewhere? So... 
But I, here's what I'll start off. It's a, it's a two-parter, right? First off, should I go to HR? And the second part, if I don't, what do I do? Okay, first part. Uh, I think it's sad to consider going to HR about an issue like this. Uh, when I say it's sad in the sense that think about yourself as a, as a young person. Imagine you're in high school. And imagine uh, you, you walk out of the restroom, you got toilet paper on the shoe. Well, your classmates see that. They don't tell you. They go to the principal. The principal then comes on the PA system and says, hey, DeSantis, you've got toilet paper on your shoe. Get off it. Now, how utterly embarrassed would we be if somebody from a higher authority comes to tell us something like this? So I think it's very sad for him that this is a consideration. Uh, so I, I would I would walk away from that. Meaning I would, I would go with you, you, the, you holding my breath. And the reason I would choose you is because you were delicate in the language you used to begin with. You called him fragrant. Now, clearly <laughs> this stinks probably is a cue, but, but it was fragrant. Now what you have two choices. You, you have, you can be direct or indirect. The indirect route is giving him some articles on hyper, hyper hydratosis. And that means uh, that's that's what that means is you sweat a lot <laughs> or strategically <laughs> place air fresheners around his space. Or how about the secret Santa deodorant gift set? All of those things are rather indirect, but I don't think that really is the way I would go. <laughs> I think the direct approach is the way to go. And that's having a conversation that demonstrates that you care about this person uh, and, and what others think of him. So. To do that, you got to start off by having the chat and say the difficulty, because I think it is difficult. This is a personal matter. And if you bring it up, uh, it, it's not, you're not trying to embarrass, but rather to help. Maybe you can start with your own story about a time you heard something that you needed to hear. Much like Mary's uh, bubblehead story is a time where she's telling her own embarrassment that was helpful to her. So having said that, um, there's some choices here. Once you tell him, uh, you, that you notice when he's stressed out, it becomes rather more fragrant. I think now you shut up. Shut up for five seconds. It's the golden rule is five seconds. The neck, when he answers after that positive five seconds, that'll tell you which direction to take. If he says to you, I don't, then he's in denial. And then just let it go for now. Apologize for being intrusive um, and indicate it was not my intention to say otherwise, just to help and walk away. If he attacks and says, well, I may be this, but you're loud. Okay, there's an assault here. Let that, let that blow past you because he's just, don't take the bait. He's just being defensive and it'll pass. So maybe just let it rest for a while. If he gets upset and, or shrugs and acknowledges uh, and asks for your help, now you're on to the game. Now you can, now you can offer him some uh, simple advice. Uh, and I, I play this game, and it's an old theater game. It's called um, The Hidden Want. And The Hidden Want is if you're playing on a stage with another person, what you do is you have a hidden want for that character. And my hidden want is I want to be seen as caring or helpful. And so I never say that to the other person on the stage. I act in accordance to the behavior. And so enter the conversation with a hidden want, and I think you have a good shot at the outcome that will really clear the air. So that's a lot of great advice, Chris. So to sum up, you say, don't go to HR, do it yourself, okay? Do it with love and kindness. You have a choice of an indirect approach or a direct approach. And within that direct approach, you expect a couple of different reactions, defensiveness, anger, outbursts, or please help me, right? 
I yes. love that. So, you know, I want to talk about the indirect approach for a minute, just because that reminds me of something that my people do. Uh, and my people being us Arabs, because as you know, I'm half Arab. Uh, so we have this terrible habit of if I want to give you feedback, and instead of, telling, instead of telling you directly the feedback, I will tell you a story about someone who's doing the behavior that I want you to stop. So in this instance, if you were stinky man, I'd be like, gosh, Chris, you know, I worked with this guy once and he stunk so badly and he nobody knew what to do and i don't know we wanted to tell him what would you do if if someone had to tell you that you stunk that's how the arabs do it and by the way <laughs> it doesn't ever work right unless you know that's what they're doing so i think i think that i'm going to revisit going to hr and i would say here's why i think a lot of this depends this is an awkward conversation this is one of the most awkward pieces of feedback you are ever going to give somebody and it's delicate so it needs to be done well if there is somebody in HR who is really good at this, mm -hmm. right, that then I would say yes, right? But you are right. It is, you are then uh, making him potentially feel even more embarrassed that more people know. Uh, but if you really don't think you can do this and there's someone else who's better at it, I would do that. And I agree with you. He has to be told. When you tell people the truth, you do them a favor. Imagine how horrified he's going to be when, if he ever finds out that he has been stinking up the place for mm. years. It's like, the, it's like the booger in your nose or the mm -hmm. toilet paper on your shoe. So come from a place of, of wouldn't you want to know, right? So that sort of thing. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think that you can't go with kindness. I think right from the start, you want to acknowledge like, hey, this is an awkward conversation. I feel really awkward bringing this up to you. But I've noticed that you have a strong body, a body smell. Uh, and you know, I, I'm, I don't want I don't want other people to think poorly of you or, or whatever you say, but it's something to, to talk about because it could also be a medical issue. Yes, that's, like, that's what be uh, hyperhidrotosis is, is a yeah. medical issue. Or it could be based on medication you're taking or all this sort of stuff. But I think I think you have to tell them. I think you tell it with love and I kindness. I, it's interesting about the HR. The, the HR part of this, um, I would go to HR not so much to have them act as my um, mission. or what, not But mission. to help you carve out the conversation? Yes. Yeah. I would go as yeah. a practice round yeah. in the conversation saying, look, this is what I, I need to do. This is how I'm thinking. What are your thoughts? And then go do it. I think that's right. And I think... Um, uh, uh, as a practice round, whether someone in HR or anybody is really a great idea. When we talk about with our clients about how to give feedback, I always say role play it out. You know, yes. because to your point, uh, people could have all sorts of reactions. So role play and have the person you're role playing with have them cry, have them get angry, have them get defensive, really play it out. But I'd also say this, I would say this is probably one of the most embarrassing things that people can hear, right? Like this is embarrassing. So when you do it, I want you to do it quickly, right? I don't mm. want you like to give the information, you know, mm -hmm. don't belabor it any longer than it needs to happen. Uh, do what you can to help that for like really, really like move into like what they can do or just give them information, but don't, don't make them sit in their embarrassment for a long time. That's interesting. There was a book written by a woman named Susan Scott. She calls it Fierce Conversations. Yeah. And, and it's about having these difficult conversations. And to your point, just as she said, you have the first 60 seconds of this conversation all laid out and you get to the point right away. Yeah. 
You do. And, you know, I think this is a good place to give people some more tips. So Susan Scott's book is great, Fierce Conversations. I'm also a big fan of this woman named, I'm actually kind of a girl fan. I'm kind of like, I kind of like to stalk her. So she's listening. Sherry, call me. Her name is Sherry Harley. And I think she's fantastic. Um, And she has a book called How to Say Anything to Anyone. And she has this great like eight step process to like really say anything. And her personality is very much like ours. She is like straight Mm -hmm. to the point. She's funny. Uh, Sherry Harley, How to Say Anything to Anyone. Hey, Sherry. Hi. (laughs) You know, another great book for receiving feedback is uh, uh, Thanks for the Feedback. Feedback. Oh, yes. I like that, too. I love that. And that's written by, what, Sheila Heen and... Um, I can't... I have, I have to look in my bookcase. I should have looked up. They also wrote They also wrote a book on difficult conversations. Yes, they, I they, like that, too. From the Harvard Business Press. They've done Doug, it from Douglas. Both sides. Was his name Doug Douglas? Patton. That's right. Douglas yeah. Patton. And yeah. Yes. Uh, so thanks for the feedback. And I think their other book is Difficult Conversations. Oh, no. How, getting to Yes or Difficult Conversations. No, no. It was Difficult Conversations. Yeah. Both of those are great because they take it from mm-hmm. both sides. Well, the, the other book I think is interesting because feedback is so bad anyway. And the, and the book that really highlights bad feedback is Nine Lies at Work. That's, Ooh, that's a word Say more. What's that one about? Well, it talks about uh, how feedback is, is a highly subjective highly subjective and and we and it's based on abstract skills so uh, qu- uh, so i say i tell you to be a better team player I, okay what's that look like yeah i'm rating on being a team i want quality work okay what's that look like i want a, a critical judgment from you and not be critical oh, what does that look so the point of this is when you when you start to skew these things in terms of my opinion now the whole system is a system of opinions yeah and then you don't have any real data yeah. So I, I will say one more thing about feedback and then I'll let you wrap this up because I, I love this about feedback givers. I, I wish I could remember the book. There are three kinds of feedback givers. There is the uh, uncritical lovers. Those are the people oh. who care about you regardless, right? Your mom, right? Then there's the critical lovers. Those are the people who care about you and, and need to tell you the things you need to hear. That is what this colleague is. And then there's the unloving critics. These are the people that don't like you. I love that. And I love these three little phrases. So look at the person and say, where do they fit? And that'll tell you what you're willing to listen to. But here's what I'll say about that. So, you know, we talked about when you tell people the truth, you do them a favor. But there is the point that you just made where, you know, there may not, like, if you have a booger in your nose, that is, there's the truth of the capital T. But if someone who's an unloving critic or someone who you don't agree with, their truth is only going to be their truth. Exactly. And not necessarily the truth. But here's the gift of feedback to wrap up, to kind of loop back to what you said. At least you know how they perceive you. Yes. So if there's a golden nugget to be had, it may not be capital T truth, but you're at least learning something about how that person perceives you or experiences you. Uh, and so that's always valuable to understand. Well, that's a good insight, Mary. I love it. Well, thank you, Chris. That was nice feedback for you. <laughs> well, I think we've made some decent progress here. I think I want to say to managers as we sign off, learn how to give feedback. It's part of your job. When you give people the roadmap for success, you are doing them a favor. And for those of you who are receiving feedback, breathe and just say thank you for the gift of that feedback. So with that, I want to say thank you all for joining us on Cubicle Confidential today. If you need workplace advice, please email us at info at cubicleconfidential.com, tweet us at cubicleconfide1, or find Chris and I on Twitter or LinkedIn. We're easy to find. No problem is too big, 
and clearly no problem is too small for us to tackle. A big shout of thanks to our amazing overworked underpaid producer, Mr. Jack Edinger. And until then, have a great work week. Thank you.